For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And again, I, I always want to remind the ladies in the room, the sons here is kind of like Spanish, hermanos. It also means brothers and sisters, so don't be offended, okay? So for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Pray with me. Father, assurance of our salvation is a difficult topic because it is something that we will all naturally wrestle with. But Lord, in the midst of tonight's talk, I hope it, it bring, that it brings peace and clarity and, and not confusion. In your son's name, amen. Um, I set out not to write this talk. By that I mean I had something completely different in mind, but the text drove me here, and as I dwelled on it, it seemed more and more that this needed to be said. So I hope, at least for one of you tonight, it is the Lord's leading, and you understand it. If you notice the wristbands that some of you are wearing, it's a circle. So the wristbands that we have that have, I should have grabbed one there in my office, right? Um, the circle was intentional, believe it or not. It's why we got wristbands instead of stickers or hats or fanny packs Although, if you can find a hip and expensive fanny pack, um, you can bet that it's on. Um, the circle is important, though, because it links it all together. If you want to understand your identity in I am, as rescued, worthy, and brave, you have to understand how it's all linked together. And I hope today, as we look at the verses in Romans, you can begin to see that, right? That I am does, not, does, make, I am does make you rescued, worthy, and brave. That being rescued makes you worthy and brave. That your worth is found in your rescue and the outcome is bravery. And that being brave is rescuing others and making them worthy in I am. It's all linked together. It's all linked to with being united with Christ. It can be said, and it will be this week if they ask me this question on the floor, that union with Christ has everything to do with our salvation theology. Union with Christ has everything to do with our salvation theology. For those of you that are theology nerds, it's our soteriology. Okay? How are we saved? Colossians 3 makes it clear that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. But here, Paul breaks it down another way as he talks about our adoption into God's family. And it's an adoption that is intimate. It's not being adopted by a king, which in fairy tales have happened and in history has happened. And then they send you to a duke in a far off land to actually be raised. No, it's an adoption where he invites you to live in his castle, be in his throne room and be with him throughout every day. That's the type of adoption he is. Now, if you remember from last week, um, there are two fathers in this world, right? We looked at John 8. Jesus makes it clear there. Turn with me there. Um, maybe it wasn't last week. Maybe it was this week. It's all kind of running together. 
Um, turn with me to John 8 real quick. Quick. My language is just off. John 8 will be in verses 31 through 47. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, namely the Jews that believed him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if a son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And this is the next part is entitled, You Are, you are of Your Father the Devil. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I'm not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot hear my words? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is one of God's hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not God. I said it last week, there are two types of people in this world. Those who know God and those who don't. That's it. It's very simple. Jesus made himself this Jesus himself made this clear. There are two families, two fathers, and only one of those love and serve God. That's it. So it's your first fill in the blank. So how do you know you're in the new family? How do you know? You are in the new family. Jesus makes that clear in John 3 as he speaks to Nicodemus. You must be born again. That's what he says. And this is a radical change. It means we have been delivered from sin and judgment. And that we are growing in holiness and possess eternal life. That's the drastic change. It is supernatural change. When Jesus is speaking of Nicodemus, he tells him, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. It is a gift from above. Rescue is a gift. And it is also your new family to be born again, far-reaching. If you look back at Romans 8, 17, And if children then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Our union with Christ always has the end goal in mind, the return of Christ and the glorification that is to come in the next life. And this is your next fill in the blank. Our rescue, worth, and bravery 
It should be is, but is always, it should be are, is always forward leaning. It's always forward leaning. We are not passive as we are rescued, worthy, and brave. But we are moving in a specific direction, namely towards that of Jesus. So we have to talk about a subject that I fear talking about because it has the potential to cause unnecessary doubt, but it also can bring necessary assurance. This is the type of talk I typically reserve for one-on-ones in small groups. So it's hard for me to give this talk in a large group setting because I fear it'll sow doubt in some of you in which doubt should be unnecessary. So know that I am approaching this with fear. For some of you, that doubt is necessary. This is good, because it might be a wake-up call for you to repent and believe. Okay? But the question here comes up in the text in Romans. Okay? And this is the question. Who is your father? It's the next fill in the blank. Who is your father? I don't know if they're on anymore. We don't have cable. Um, I mean, we have the antenna, but it's never on during the day, right? So back in the day, paternity tests were like all the rage on daytime network television, right? The moment you could tell if someone was a father via a blood test, people came out of the woodwork to be on morning talk shows and drag their loser boyfriend or cheating girlfriend out on stage to make sure if the father was 100% them or not. And honest, most of it is trash. Turn it off if you are watching this while you are missing school, right? But a paternity test can bring much assurance. This is the family I belong to. Now, you know, we're not Jedi. We don't have like a blood test to see how much metachlorine we have, right? Like, we don't have a blood test to see if we're Christians. I think we all wish that, right? But we don't. But verse 16 in Romans 8 gives us a paternity test. Look at what, look at look there with me again. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Well, what does that look like? And we're going to discuss that today. But let me first answer the question, why are we discussing it today, right after defining our identity for the last month? And the reason we're discussing it right after dealing with identity is because this will be where the devil attacks you. This will be the question that haunts you. The same lie in the garden did God really say will be how he attacks your identity. Did God really say he rescued you? Did God really say you're worth anything? Did God really say that you're brave? You will come to a moment in life where you need assurance of your salvation. Why? Because you're human. We will all be there. And that's why this can be a good reminder of who we are and whose family you're in. I take these from James Montgomery Boyce's um, commentary on Romans. I think they were excellent. So I want to share them with you today. There are three ways that are kind of the paternity test 
with this question. Whose father are you? One, he renews our mind. He renews our mind. It's your first fill in the blank. Well, the first fill in the blank where it says one. He renews our mind. Romans 12 spells this out very clearly. Listen to it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how is our mind renewed? And there is only one way in which our mind is renewed. And it is by reading and being taught by the Spirit from the Bible. That's it. You don't have to join some club. There's not some Mysteries of the Bible program this weekend on history, history, history. Right? Right after Alien Hunters. Like, there's not... You know, we just listen to the red letters in this book, or I, I like my blue letter Bible, or like, there's none of that. Um, if you'll see them all over the bookstore, and I've been gifted them many times in my life. You, when you are gifted books like this, how to secretly interpret the divine will of God in scripture, burn it, right? Like, don't. The spirit will teach you from the very words of God. You don't need a codex to determine it. This is not the Da Vinci Code that you hold in your hand. Now try trying to discern the will of God with just the Spirit and without the Bible will lead to heresy pretty quickly. And trying to discern the will of God by reading the Bible without the help of the Spirit will lead to being blinded to what is actually being said. You need both. So here is the self-examination question. It's your next fill in the blank. And this is the self-examination question for He Renews Your Mind. How has the Spirit been leading you by enlightening your mind through the study of Scripture? How has the Spirit been leading you by enlightening your mind through the study of Scripture? What does that mean? Have you read the Bible and discovered things you didn't know before about God? Has that ever happened? Do you read it and want to live differently? Has that ever happened? If your mind has been renewed, it'll show. And those things probably have happened and will continue to happen. I was sharing with the SALT team right before. I'd read a passage today in Luke 8. I've read that passage a hundred times. And suddenly, those two words at the very end stuck out with me when it came to what does it mean to bear fruit. Oh, oh. I talk to my mom and dad all the time, right? What are you learning? And they're old, right? I mean, you know my parents. They're old people, right? And they're still learning stuff. This is good. That means that their spirit or God's spirit is testifying to our spirit that we are indeed children of God. So how is your mind being renewed? So many of you in this room are second or fifth generation Christians. And and this concept is much harder to grasp than being a first generation convert. Someone who has just been converted to faith can typically see a clear distinction in their life between before they knew Christ and when they became a Christian. I'm not, I'm like a fifth generation 
if I actually, this is cool, I learned this two weeks ago. If I actually get ordained in the Presbyterian Church, I'll be a third generation Presbyterian minister. Like my great-grandfather was a Presbyterian minister in Argyle, New York in the 1800s. Right? Like that's cool. But I still remember, even though I'm, I'm a several generation Christian, I didn't come to faith till eighth grade, right? And there was a clear, I was a little demon, right? There was a clear, there was a clear distinction, right? And for many of you, you've not grown up to where you've, you've lived the life I wish I had led, right? Where I didn't need that clear distinction. You've always been in the faith. So it's harder for you to know how is my mind being renewed. I mean, this is how I've always, I've always been a Christian. I can't remember a day where I didn't know Jesus. So the study of scripture has become perhaps dull because you've always done it the same way. So if, if renewing your mind in scripture is so important, here are some ways to maybe make it fresh. Okay, so for those of you that have been Christians your whole life and I'm a little bored with scripture, here are some ways to maybe make it fresh. Use a different translation. There, there are some translations I might stay away from, more language reasons than anything. But a switch in translation for a personal study can lead to different results. Just switch translations up. Okay? Two, listen to Scripture. Okay? Grab an audio version of Scripture and then take it that way. Taking notes on what stands out. Change it up that way. You're not less of a Christian if you listen to Scripture instead of, um, write it, like, read it. Remember, the majority of humanity, for the majority of history, was illiterate. The only way they studied scripture was hearing it. Three, start journaling. Let me tell you this. Journaling, I truly believe, is the best resource for assurance you will ever get. And this is why. In the day-to-day mundane of much of the Christian life, we don't feel like, we don't feel like, here's that word again, right? That like, Maybe God's using me or working me or working in a way or teaching me things. But when you've written down your requests before the Lord and you've written down things that you've prayed and you've written down things that you want to work down, work on, and then you look back at them a month later, you're like, oh, oh, thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me get out of that. Thank you for answering that prayer. Thank you for working in me this way. Right. Journaling is a phenomenal way. To look back and see God's grace in your life. So that's another way you could do. The second paternity test for who's your father is number two. The next one you're filling the blank. It stirs the heart. The parallel verse in this is Romans 8.15. Is actually Galatians 4.6. Same author. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's Galatians 4, 6. So the spirit stirs the response of the heart. So here's the self-examination question. It's your next fill in the blank. Next self-examination question for it stirs the heart. That's simply this. Do you love God? I'm not asking if you can love him perfectly. Not asking that. You can't. Okay? But do you love God? Do you desire to know Him? Or is He just kind of a footnote in your week? Oh yeah, I remember Him. Okay? 
God. What was his name? This, I think, can be the easier question to answer. When I ask the question, do you love God? This is the easy way to answer it. What was your immediate response in your heart? What was the immediate response in your heart? For some of you, it was yes, that's good. If someone asked me whether I love my wife, even on days where the relationship isn't perfect, I would always answer yes. Yes. Very quickly. If it was a no, thank you for being honest. Knowing your starting point is almost easier than not. Knowing your starting point is always easier than not. I should rephrase that. And if that's the case, I would love to discuss this with you further, either on one-on-one, group setting, or in the weeks to come. Let me know. If it was, I don't know. It's a great beginning to a conversation. It's a great beginning to a conversation. It cannot, however, be the end of the conversation. You'll find this. You're about to step into a world of college intellectuals. Um, intellectual hipsters, okay, they're very they're profound, right? Um, they ask a lot of questions, and they say a lot of, oh, I don't knows, and have you thought about this thing? And they don't actually hold anything. They're infuriating. You'll hate them. And um, But, like, that's where they end their, their, their thought journey, right? Because they think that that's the smart, I have to... I have to end in the unknown. No, you don't. Stop it. Okay? Um, If your immediate response, again, so um, if that was your immediate response, I don't know, talk to me, talk to your transformation group leaders, talk to a friend, talk to your parents. Hey, my youth leader asked a question tonight. Do I love God? And my heart's response was, I don't know. Can we talk about that some more? That would be a great conversation to have with your parents. Right. Last test for, for paternity. I feel like Murray up here. You know what I mean? So he was the famous paternity test guy on Monday mornings. Third, he directs our wills. He directs our wills. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For if for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God does not force you to be godly against your will. He changes your wills and desires. So here's the self-examination question. Do you try to please God? Next on the blank. Do you try to please God? My hope for you is that this is an encouragement to you or a wake-up call for you. If you answered no to all three of these questions, please have longer conversations with me, your parents, or one of the youth leaders. If you answered yes to two of them, I think you're well on your way, but time will tell. But I hope this gave you assurance that Christ is working in your life. I was telling the leaders this, including the adult leaders at Salt. Sanctification for you guys is really hard to measure because you've only been around the racetrack a couple times. To use Jesus' analogy of like farming, like where you're you're gonna bear fruit. How will you know that they're my people? By their fruit. You haven't been around for many seasons. You just haven't. So it's really hard to look at you and be like, Yeah, I'm bearing more fruit this year than I was last year. Because you're just young. 
Sanctification is something that you will see in decades and in years. That's how you're going to view sanctification. You won't be able to view it in hours or in weeks. There's not an app for sanctification. Dave could probably make one, but we don't have one. And in a culture where we just want an app for that, this can be frustrating. But remember this, that your justification is not on you. And if you are justified, it says this later in Romans, you are sanctified and you will be glorified because you are part of God's family. That is the beauty of the gospel. It's not on you. If you're justified, hallelujah, God will sanctify me and I will spend eternity with him. This talk, I hope, gives you much hope. I'm well on my way, Lord, even if it's only my first steps. And if you're justified and glorified, you are part of God's family. It's that heirs with Christ again. The other thing that will give you assurance on is that you are not alone. If you look at the verse again, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is cool. A family typically comes with multiple people. True story. Okay. And likewise, the church of Jesus Christ comes with a family. People to walk with you as you as your mind is renewed, to stir one another's hearts, and to encourage one another to follow God. All this comes with being brave. Shall last fill in the blank. In any family, you have to be brave for one another. In any family, you have to be brave for one another. It's the cutest example of it, right? Every time we're watching a movie and it gets to the scary part, Stephen does such a good job. He comes and he sits down next to his sister right and he says are you scared she goes yes he'll go do you want to hold my hand which is adorable right he's six she goes yes and she holds his hand and they get through the scary part together right and in a family you have to learn how to be brave for one another you learn how to be vulnerable you have to learn how to Deal with doubt. It's okay to doubt. But again, it's okay just to not sit there. And that's what church should be. Church should be a place where we're vulnerable with one another. And we can be brave for one another. You're not alone. Help your brothers and sisters in Christ know that. Not just the ones that go to our church too. Your Baptist and Lutheran and Evangelical brothers and sisters too. Be a family for them as well in those spheres.